Well, I am so glad to be able to share God's word with you today. We're going to continue in a series called The Blessing of Pentecost. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And then I'm going to give you a scripture that I'm going to refer to at the very, very end from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So you can hold a place there. Now, if you use the Bible app or you go to our website at uh, calvary.online, you can click on today's message. Today... I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am a probably a more of a preacher by nature. I don't know if you know that about me or not, uh, that I, I like to preach. I'm pretty excited about what God is saying today. I'm going to actually give you a lot of scripture. So we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I've asked God to give me a grace to help to teach something, uh, to everybody that really came as a result of Pastor Dave's message. I had another message all prepared for today. And Pastor Dave's message, wasn't that so good last week? Amazing, amazing. It messed me up so good, I wrote another sermon. So uh, I got, got this one for today. And, and when he took those jars, right? And, and the, 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 the one that had been washed, right, in the water, had been run under the water, what happened is it settled quickly. And that water is symbolic of a word that is connected to today's sermon. And that water is symbolic of this word, baptism. Okay? And we're in a series about the Holy Spirit. The blessing of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this uh, just to be abundantly clear to everybody. The greatest gift ever given to believers is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift ever given to fallen humanity is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We all need the, the, sal, the salvation work. That is the gift to all of humanity. But the greatest gift ever given to believers is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now, we've talked about that in, in, in a, a, a few of the other sermons, so you can go to calvary.online and listen to all of that. But the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up in Acts 2, and he announced what was happening when the Holy Spirit, uh, when, when people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what he said. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Your men servants and maid servants. I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and, and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now here's what, here's Here's what I want you to see. Uh, he's saying that by revelation, this is the outpouring or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, what's happening? 
believers are being supernaturally empowered to do things they could have never done apart from the Holy Spirit. But I also want you to notice what happens next in the description uh, 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 reminds me of today's headlines. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke, sun to darkness, moon to blood. It's like there is a great shaking going on. And then the verse following says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So look, put it together. There's an outpouring of God's spirit on the church, a shaking going on in the earth, and many people come to Jesus and call on his name. What does that mean? A church that gets baptized in the Holy Spirit in a time of shaking is going to release an awakening in, in this planet, and I believe in this nation. I put my preacher hat back on, can you tell? Come on, I'm excited. I'm excited. Listen, uh, when, the, when I see the riots, man, I get excited. Boy, I tell you, it was a terrible tragedy where George Floyd died. But you know what's happening right now in that very spot? They're baptizing people, seeing people one to the Lord in Minneapolis on the very spot, lifting up praise to God, worshiping God. Yeah, I know that didn't make your news channel. Some of you need to turn that off. I'm going to help you today to live in victory if you'll just listen. Because there's blessing of Pentecost. So here, here's this jar that David brought, which is just an amazing illustration, which led me to this question that I think we need all uh, to answer, and this is it, about the Holy Spirit, because f few people know the Holy Spirit well. It was my experience growing up. I went to a Christian school, went to church most uh, every day of the week. Uh, uh, I went on Wednesday. I went on Sunday. We, we, we had little special things that we did. Uh, I went a lot, okay? As a kid from uh, kindergarten to fifth grade, I had Bible verses I had to memorize for school. I had chapel every day. And I want to tell you, my experience with the Holy Spirit in the first 12 years of my life, which was immersed in Christian culture, was almost zero. Almost zero. It was almost never brought up. And I want everybody to know what we just read in Acts 2 is still available today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is still available today. With all of the benefits, with all of the gifts, they're still available today. Now, there is a little controversy, and people like to talk about it, uh, about the baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit, or some have said the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is why I actually want to clarify some things, and I pray that God awakens a hunger in all of us based upon the truth of God's Word and so uh, some have said the baptism of the Holy Spirit rather than the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You say that sounds like it's, they're very close. Um, they are close, but those two things have vastly different meanings. And so I, I want to help bring some clarity. Unfortunately, in my time as being a pastor, uh, I've talked to other pastors and, and they said, yeah, you know, when I've asked them, hey, what's your, what's your thoughts about the Holy Spirit? You know, what, 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 you know, do you ever teach about him? 
And I can remember a great pastor whom I love, who I've, who I've done things with in this very county. He's not here now. But he said, oh, you know what? We don't, we, we don't want to uh, sow any confusion into our congregation, so we really don't talk about that. And let me just say to you very clearly, confusion exists in the absence of biblical teaching. And there are, there are no subjects between the pages of Genesis and Revelation which we should not approach, tackle, and receive if God wants us to receive them. So we're going to answer this question in this series today called, Does He, this, Does he Baptize? Now, I'm actually going to focus on three baptisms. I'm going to show you that there are actually three baptisms, uh, three main baptisms, because I, I believe there's actually a, a fourth uh, a baptism as well, but there are three main baptisms which uh, work their course throughout Scripture. And I'm going to give you so much Scripture today, I think it's really going to help you. Now, first baptism that I want to talk about, and really the first two, I'm going to go quickly through. First, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. What does this mean? When you get born again, when you get saved, when you are forgiven of sins, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 says this, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Who is doing the baptiz baptizing? Who's doing the baptizing? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Who is he baptizing us into? If you read the other verses, the verse just before, he is baptizing us into Christ. We are baptized into the body of Christ. Who does that baptism? The, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. He baptizes us into Christ. So we can answer the sermon title in one point. Does he baptize? Yes. As soon as you are born again. Now, second point today, and we're going to refer back to these. Disciples baptize us in water. This is the second kind of baptism. Most of you know uh, you know this from Matthew 28, 19, instructions from Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here we see the Trinity, which are in perfect agreement, but this is talking about water baptism. And when I say the word bab uh, baptism, it's the word baptizo in the Greek. It means to fully immerse. So some of us as babies, we're from different Christian traditions where we sprinkled. And sprinkling is not fully immersing. So baptism is something that happens after we are saved. The first baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit into Christ, the next baptism we participate in is a water baptism done by disciples. And let me add this, it's more than a sign. 
If you're connected to Calvary regularly, you know this. I am fired up about water baptism. We have had some of the most glorious water baptizing. Why? Because it's more than a sign. And some of our traditions have said baptism is the symbol of us you know, entering into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is symbolic, but it's not only symbolic. It is a Holy Spirit work, literally a surgery that's done in us, where we are cut off from the old man and we leave him in the water. The Holy Spirit does that. Some of you are wondering, well, I got saved and I never got water baptized, but man, I've been having some trouble living this life. It's because you're carrying the dead man with you. Let me, give you the old, let me give you the Old Testament reference to this. Remember when Israel was coming out of Egypt and they came up against the Red Sea? And here's the enemy that's following them. Their past is following them. Hello, their past is following them. They're, the things that they were enslaved to, Egypt, the greatest type of sin probably in the Old Testament. And, and so here they are chasing them down. God says, I'm going to do a spiritual work. And he walks two to three million people through on dry ground through the Red Sea. And when they got out and the enemies had followed them into the water, guess who came out of the water but stayed in the water? The enemies, the slave, the things that held them bound stayed in the water. That's baptism. So it's more than a symbol. It's powerful. So if you have not been immersed in water since you were experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, you need to get baptized on July 12th. And you can take out your connection card and write down, I'm getting water baptized and drop it in the back. And we'll get you all fixed up and get you ready. Because it's not just a symbol. I, I, I'll say this to you. This is not in the message. This is free. Won't cost you a thing. Communion's, communion's not just a symbol. Now, do I believe in the, the doctrine of transubstantiation? No, I do not. It does not become the physical uh, body of Christ, and it does not become the physical blood of Christ. But the power of the body and the power of the blood are released and experienced in communion. That means we can be healed when we take communion. That means we can experience the, the fresh, forgiving flow of Christ when we take communion. It's not just a symbol. It's more than a symbol. Baptism is more than a symbol. It's a spiritual act that the Holy Spirit gets involved in. So we have the first baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second, the, the uh, disciples' baptism, which is a baptism in water. And then the third one, which we're really going to focus on, and I'm going to show you this pattern throughout the Scripture, and that is Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, said, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what's he saying? Jesus is coming and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, it takes a, a really good theologian to mess up a plainly written text. This is not hard to understand. This is John saying the ministry of the Messiah includes baptizing his followers 
in the person of the Holy Spirit. But along come theologians who say, well, this must only have applied to the 12 disciples. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and all those miracles and stuff, they died with the apostles. It's a, it's a, in theological terms, they would call it cessationism. And I'm going to make a strong statement because this is how strongly I feel about it. It is the most bewitching teaching to ever land on the church. Witchcraft seeks to control the mind. That's what witchcraft does. That's why I say it's a bewitching teaching. Because it teaches us that God stopped being supernatural nearly 2,000 years ago. It is false. John uttered these words before the first disciple was ever called. They weren't even called to be. They were still fishing. They still smelled like last night's catch. He wasn't talking to the 12, and he certainly wasn't talking to the 120. He's saying, this is what Jesus will do. And Hebrews 13a says this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. Now, this is for everyone. And some people would say, well, I think the first baptism that you're talking about and the third baptism are the same. Now listen, I'm from the South. I speak a special kind of English. <laughs> it, has, it has mulberry influences, okay? I grew up in this little town called Mulberry. Just, we grew up with mosquitoes as big as birds infected with radon from all of the phosphate plants, okay? They were glowing, we were glowing, and we just... We kind of spoke a different kind of language in the English language. But something I did learn to do was to diagram a sentence. We used to do that. Kids, y'all don't know how to do that. We used to draw lines. And we could actually tell what the subject of the sentence was. And so when people try to say these two baptisms are the same, I'm like, that, that, that's not even true in English. Because in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, the Holy Spirit baptizes us. He's the subject. And here in Matthew, John says, Jesus is baptizing. That's completely different. Not only is it not theologically sound, it's not even grammatically sound. There are different baptizers. And Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit performed by him is salvation. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for victorious living for God's purpose. Now listen. Let me, let me, let me say it to you this way. Blaine and Joan, I'll use you guys as, as an example. Okay, So um, it's like this. I come to, to, to Joan, and Joan says, hey, I really want to introduce you to Blaine. And she comes along, and she says, hey, Pastor Otis, this is my husband, Blaine. And she begins to tell me all the wonderful things about Blaine, right? And 
I, I just, I'm like, wow, it's really great to meet you. But after developing a relationship with Blaine, Blaine then, as he could only do because of his nearness to Joan, he begins to really introduce me to Joan because he is now telling me all of the wonderful things about Joan that I could have never known because of his intimate relationship with Joan. So even though Joan introduced me to Blaine, then Blaine really introduces me to Joan. Listen, the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus, and then Jesus turns around immediately and says, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. This is what he does. Now, I want to tell you how important this is. There's only a few things in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only a few things. Three of them really go together. They really all go together, but really three are really all together and very important. The birth, death, burial and resurrection of Christ. So the birth, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000. That's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like you've been reading Matthew, maybe you're, you know, just started reading your Bible, you read Matthew, then you moved on to Mark, and you started reading, you're like, man, I kind of thought I read this before. And then I actually moved on to Luke, and you're like, I know I've read this before, okay? And it's all this similar. Those three are called the synoptic gospels. That means that there are similarities in all three. And then John, a few years later, actually writes a love letter gospel that actually covers a different time period even in Jesus' ministry. It actually extends back. The, the synoptic gospels basically cover... This is basically cover the last year of ministry that Jesus lived on the earth. John's covers the first two as well. So, covers birth, death, resurrection. That's the gospel that you need to know to be saved. Feeding of the 5,000 because eating is important. I don't know. It's actually to show that no, no matter what, Jesus is the one that provides everything that we need. But you want to know what the other one is? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's in every gospel. I read it to you from Matthew. Now let's read it from Luke. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Mark 1.8. This is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In and with are interchangeable. Luke 3.16, John answered, said, to all. Who did he say it to? Who did he say it to? Just in case anybody was wondering if he wasn't just talking to 12 specific people. He said to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John 1.33, again, John, he says, I did not know him, but he who sent me, this is God speaking personally to him, to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. How important is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's in every gospel. And when God repeats himself, it's really important. Yes. 
And it's not talking about the first baptism. It's talking about the third baptism that we're talking about, Jesus baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. So, let's just, uh, we're going to follow this pattern. Point one, two, and three. Salvation, water, and the Spirit. Okay, we're going to follow this pattern. Now, I'm going to show you this pattern all through Scripture. And the reason is, is I want to awaken a hunger for you to experience what is on the pages of our Bible. Notice what Acts 2.38 says at the end of, of uh, Pentecost. It brings up these three baptisms, okay? Now, it says, Peter said to them, repent. This is a really key word. Repent. No one gets saved unless they repent and believe. Repent means to turn away from your old life and turn to Christ. Repentance leads to salvation. And it says, he says this, and let every one of you be baptized. That's in water. So we see salvation. We see water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's the Spirit. Now, you, you, you know, at first glance, you're like, okay, I see that. I see that. But notice what it says in verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This actually says the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everyone moving forward in the future. So it didn't stop. All right? Now let's look at Acts 8. Acts 8 says this. This is really powerful. It says... This is when Philip is actually ministering in Samaria. It says, but when they believed, you have to repent and believe in order to be born again. As he what? Preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. Both men and women were what? Baptized. Here we go. Saved and water baptized. Now, in our experience, here's what we do. When someone is saved and water baptized, we would think that the scripture would stop right here. And it says, and then they extended the right hand of fellowship to them so they could join in the membership role at the local church. <laughs> Guys, I want you to see what happened next. Because it's really important. They're saved and they're water baptized. And in verse 14... It says, and now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, what's that mean? They've been saved. They sent Peter and John to them who when they came down prayed for them that they might, what? Receive the spirit. For as yet he had Fallen, that's a, that's a picture, another word used to describe the baptism in the Spirit being poured out on them, fallen upon none of them. They had only been what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were saved and they were water baptized, but they were not what? Filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. What did they do? They laid hands on them. And what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want to show you. They planned a whole mission trip around this one purpose. There are saved people who have been baptized in water 
who need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're going on a mission trip. This is how important this was. That Peter and John would leave Jerusalem and go all the way to Samaria to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you see how important this is? Why didn't the Bible just stop if we don't need this? Because we do need it. And it's what Jesus continues to do today. Let's keep going. Acts 19, this is actually the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul writes one-third of the New Testament, gives us all the great theology, the same guy who was caught up to the third heaven. He says, I have seen and heard things uttered by God, which I can't even tell you, okay? This guy has had some deep encounters with God. He is quite possibly considered by many theologians the greatest apostle to ever live. He gives us uh, Romans, the, the constitution of theology of our, of our, our, of our Bible. The e Ephesians, he gives us these letters which gives us such insight into grace and, and, and to the spirit. But notice what happens in Acts 19 when he goes to minister. It says, and it happened when Apollos was in Corinth that, per, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Who did he find? Disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I just got a question for you. If, if it was automatic what he's talking about here, why would he ever ask that question? Are we, do we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we get saved? Is that automatic? That's automatic. But what's he talking about here? Let's keep going because Paul starts to investigate their salvation. I love this. Begins to break it down. Oh, and evidently these guys kind of went to the church that I went to because they said, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Some of you guys, you're laughing because you went to the same church. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said this. Now listen, they, this is where they were in agreement. This is what he's establishing, that we're in agreement. He said, John indeed bap, uh, baptized with a baptism of what? Repentance, saying that people should believe, here's it, here it is, salvation, believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were what? baptized. Here's the water. So it's salvation. It's water. And notice what happens next. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Salvation, water, spirit. Now, what happened that they all knew? Well, they were, they were speaking in tongues and languages that they did not naturally learn. They were prophesying in Acts 19. In Acts 2, that's what happened. They were speaking languages. They could not have naturally known any, uh, in uh, any, any way they, they could have known that. I quoted to you Acts 8. There is also a time in Acts chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles and God totally interrupts Peter's long-winded sermon. And I promise I won't go that long. Uh, you know, that he interrupts the long-winded sermon 
and Holy Spirit falls on them after they've believed and they begin to speak in tongues as they did in the beginning. And it wasn't one that was meant for interpretation. It was a heavenly, it was a language they were glorifying God in. It wasn't even known what languages they were speaking in. They just heard them magnifying God in tongues. Now, who did that? Jesus. Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me, just, let me just give you a couple of, of thoughts. This is just, just real good thoughts. Um, is Jesus our example? Then quite possibly, after I've showed you this, in all of these scriptures, you could also say that in some ways, we could see all of these in Jesus' life. Salvation, water, baptism, spirit baptism. Now, uh, salvation. Did Jesus need to be saved? Nope. No, he didn't. He was the perfect lamb of God, right? But what happens to us when we get saved? Now listen, when we get born again, when we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we become perfect sons and daughters of God. Not in performance, because we're never going to do that. Jesus did that but in position. Oh, man. See, Jesus was born right the first time, completely sinless. He was without, and he was the perfect son of God. He was born right, and, and for us, we then say, we need to be born again with his nature. And who does that? The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. So there's salvation. Now, let me ask you the next question. Was Jesus water baptized? Of course. We've been talking about it. He was baptized by John. He certainly was. And then I would ask this question. Was Jesus spirit baptized? And I know some people who come from different persuasions say, nope, I don't think he was. What Bible are you reading? Right when he comes up out of the water, it says the Holy Spirit descends on him. What? Like a dove and remains. By the way, if, if you've ever had a Bible teacher pull out a bird and confuse people and said, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a dove. He's not a dove. He's not a dove. All right? All my hunters in the room, you do not need to feel bad about shooting dove and eating them. You're not eating the Holy Spirit. They're if, if we are, he's mighty tasty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's just not, that's just not, that's a simile describing the nature in which he fell upon Jesus and remained. He came down, was poured out on Jesus, Jesus was spirit baptized, and he's our example. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You say, how important is this? This is really important, because Pentecost, and when, um, Philip went to preach in Samaria. That's five years later. Five years later, he's still preaching salvation through repentance and belief, water baptism, and spirit baptism. Still. Why? Because he knows they had to go and send, they sent a special missionary trip to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's keep going. Acts 10, where the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. That's 10 years after Pentecost. Same message. Repent, believe, 
Get baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit. Acts 19 that we were just talking about, did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's 25 years later. All three baptisms are one. They go together. They go together. They're meant to be experienced by all. Which leads me to ask this question. If we're saved to get a new life, if we're baptized in water to, to cut off the old life, and we get spirit back baptized so that we can live victorious kingdom life, then is there a reason why so many believers are walking around defeated? Could it be we just got two of the three baptisms? And listen, they all go together. Now, I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to finally get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is so good. Now, if you read, I believe it's verse 6 and verse 10, it says this about this passage. Now, it says, all of the things that happened in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant to the children of Israel happened as an example to us. Matter of fact, mostly a warning, like God saying, don't do what they did. But some of the things that happened in the Old, Old Testament were a type or a symbol or a, a shadow or an indication of things to come. Now, let's, let's, let's look at this and you'll begin to see this same pattern again. 1 Corinthians 10.1 says, Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. We talked about the Red Sea. Listen to verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Three. Moses was an Old Testament type of deliverer. You understand, to Israel, that's what he was. He was like a deliverer. So what are they baptized into? Moses. What are we baptized into? It, by the Holy Spirit? Jesus, our deliverer, our savior. How are we baptized? In the cloud, spirit, and in water, water baptism. Here it is again. It's all in one verse. And it says, this was given to us as an example. Now, I'm just going to give you just another, again, we're talking about Moses. So Moses goes up on the mountain. He has this 40-day encounter in the presence of God. He actually sees the tabernacle in heaven, takes a blueprint that God gave him from heaven and comes down to earth and says, this is how we're to interact with God. And he builds a tabernacle. And this is the place where the presence of God would, uh, would dwell. Now, only priests, sons of Aaron, these Levites, could, could, uh, only could they go in there. So here's what was necessary to get into the holy place. The, the tabernacle had the outer court and the inner court. The inner court's called the holy place, and it also had the most holy place. How many of you want to know, just take a guess, how many things do you think needed to happen in order to go into the holy place? I'm going to give you a clue. We've been talking about it all day. Let me walk you to it. I told you I was going to show you all throughout scripture. First thing you come to is an altar. It's like a giant holy barbecue. It's a big fire that God started and a lamb is slain and blood is shed on the altar. 
you then, because of the blood, proceed to something called the laver. The laver was a giant pool of water. You would then wash in the water after having the application of the blood. You then wash in the water. But there is one more thing that needed to happen for a priest to go in to the presence of God. And that is he, in Leviticus chapter 8. He needed the oil poured on him. What's the oil? The spirit. Do you see it? It's here. It's clear. If we're going to live, oh, by the way, this is really what we've done for a long time, and we've been so robbed by bad theology and religious tradition. We said, all right, I'm okay with the blood of Jesus because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, and I'm okay with the water baptism as long as the water's heated up, you know, okay, or I'm going to get baptized in July, you know. And then we say, we say uh, oh, wait, Holy Spirit baptism? That's kind of weird, so I'm just going to avoid that, and I'm going to try to go into the presence of God. Now, anybody uh, read the Bible and find out what happens to a priest that goes into the holy place without going through all three? You guys, you, does anybody know what happened to him? He died! He's dead. Matter of fact, they tied a rope around his, his ankle and they put bells on his clothes just to make sure he wasn't dead. As long as they heard the bells moving, they were like, okay, he's fine. The bells stopped. They're like, just pull the rope. Pull the rope. They're like, all right, who's up next? And everybody's like, not me, not me. <laughs> oh. So we're okay with being saved. We're okay with being water baptized because we've had some kind of bad experience. We said, I'm going to avoid the oil. And there are a bunch of dead Christians walking around saying, I feel dead on the inside because we've avoided the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's the only thing that will empower us for victorious living in God's kingdom. This is the picture. This is why I believe God wants to awaken the church to saying, God, in this hour, the answer to the trouble on this planet is another Pentecost. Is that, God, we would get hungry for the baptism in the Holy Spirit again. I don't know if you know this, but it means a lot more when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. How do you get it? The baptism of the Spirit. The baptism in water. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The three all agree. I'll give it to you in one place. Two passages. Back to back. 1 John 5, 7 and 8. Said that there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father. The Word. And the Spirit. The Father, that's easy to understand. The Word, if you've been a part of, of, uh, of our last series, you would know that the Word 
in both Revelation, I believe it's 19, but specifically John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 12 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. So there are three that bear witness in heaven. It is the Father, it is the Son, and it is the Spirit. But I want you to see the three that are bearing witness on earth. In the next verse, verse 8, it says there are three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. That means they go together. Church, if we are ever going to enter in to God's calling for our lives, it will be because we embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit into Christ. The baptism in water cutting off our old man. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit for victorious living. And I've got good news. Jesus is the one doing the baptizing. So you know it's got to be good. I was told my whole life, stay away from that stuff. That's the devil. As far as I've ever read, Jesus never baptizes anybody in the devil. It's the truth. And I want to carefully and lovingly say, you need it. You need it. All of us, young, old, that's what Acts 2 says. Sons and daughters, old men, young men. It doesn't matter your stature, your social uh, uh, habit, your past, your future. It doesn't matter. We all need it. I want to give an opportunity today. We can't do all three baptisms today. We don't have a permanent one, but we can do two. The first one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you say yes, when you repent and believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I want, you to, I want to introduce you. Matter, matter of fact, if you're not right with God here, he's probably been tugging on your heart. And you, don't even, you can't even see him. You just feel him working on you. And he's saying, turn to Jesus. He's saying, today's your day. Don't wait. Don't wait. Today's your day. This is the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear. Today's the day to come and get baptized into Christ. This is what, he, what God longs for all of you. But listen, there are many of you in here, I believe, that have been baptized into Christ, perhaps even baptized in water, but you've been missing the third baptism. And that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You say, what happens? Yeah, yeah, uh, I believe all nine gifts can show up at one time. We'll talk more about, about what that means, and I'm going to explain all that. I want to teach you the, the truth of this, but the, the fact remains is that if you're not hungry for the baptism, you'll never long for the gifts that show up with it. 